When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another special Monday edition of The Price of Football, the podcast that follows the money behind the beautiful game. I'm Kevin Day and as ever I'm joined by Baron, the Professor of Football Finance Expert, Kieran Maguire. Hello Kieran. Hello Kevin. We're going to have to stop calling it special because it's, it's become, this is four or five in with, with now, this is not special it's, anymore. It's, it's just part of ingrown English culture now. It, yeah, almost, we're getting there. We're getting, if, if you leave enough good reviews people, we will become part of ingrown English culture. Well, my, my Twitter account has just been acquired by the British Library oh, as really? part of um, English culture. They, they, they wrote to me and said, we think it represents um, part of, of the, the fabric of modern society. And, and would, you, would you agree to it going into the British Library archive? Oh, so, so we are there. I've got some bad news for you, Kieran. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's really good. I'm, I'm furious that I've not been asked. That's great though. So they're going to so they'll they'll record your pod uh, your Twitter feed and it. Well, everybody at home starts sending him racy tweets. Is what <laughs> I, she was a good actress, wasn't she? Racy tweets. Oh yeah, got all her albums. Um, the first question is from Kieran Mitchell. Now, there's been talk of QSI, the guitarist sport investment company, who own PSG pretty much. A lot of talk about them investing into Leeds. Right. Now, if Leeds were to get promoted, Kieran's question is, where would that if they if I mean if QSI bought them, where would that rank them in the in the sort of league table of Premier League investors? And this is a subject we have mentioned before, but in the Premier League, are investors allowed to be involved in more than one club? We know we know they're not in the AFL technically. Uh, they or they can be if they you know, in different countries, but are the Premier League rules different? Premier League are the Premier League rules are the same because otherwise you could end up with a, a match at the end of the season where one club could potentially yes, be course. relegated, yeah. and uh, you, you could uh, uh, have a have an inappropriate result as a result of that. But Leeds in the Premier League, owned by QSI, would be huge, wouldn't it? In, in terms of the the wealth of QSI, certainly they are. Uh, they are on a par with the, the Abu, Abu Dhabi United group who own Manchester City, um, on a par with Abramovich and so on. It, it then comes to the issue of what approach do they take in respect of financial fair play. And the the Premier League have been a bit coy and a bit vague as to the nature of the penalties. I, I'm aware of one Premier League club where there is uh, an owner behind the owner, potentially, um, who is taking the view of, I don't care what it costs for this club to to progress to the next level. And if we get fined, so be it, we'll just pay the fines. Now, which is, which is, we've talked about Bet365 wanted to take that approach with Stoke, haven't we, as well? That's right. Now, in, in the EFL, uh, if, if there is a breach of financial fair play, one of the sanctions that the EFL have within their armoury is a points deduction. So right. that could act as a big deterrent for Stoke City. We're not sure what the position is being taken by the, by the Premier League itself. So if it's a fine, you could find 
QSI come in, they say to whoever the manager is, you've effectively got a blank check in, in the same way that Roman Abramovich said to the to Jose Mourinho when when he first came to the club, sign whoever you want uh, and and we'll we'll take that and and Manchester City did exactly the same. But surely QSI would would they not at least publicly pay lip service to the idea of financial fair play and then do what other clubs have done and find a way around it because it would seem quite ballsy just to come in and say you do what you want we'll pay the fine and we'll carry on with this uneven playing field well i'm sure if if there is a creative accounting scheme around it they will employ the the appropriate um advisors to to come up with with such a vehicle um but leeds fans won't be complaining um and ultimately if, if the leeds fans are happy then then the owners are happy have qsi been sniffing around a, a Premier League club before? No, nothing. Nothing's been concrete. The, the trouble with all of these rumours, it's 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 the same way as that we deal yeah. with transfers. You know, somebody posts something somewhere, um, and then it becomes a story yes. in one of the newspapers. So I'm I'm always cautious to a degree. Um, the, if you take a look at the ownership of Leeds United Football Club, they're now owned ten percent by the San Francisco 49ers. So would they be willing to give up oh, their shares? Right, okay. um, so who who's selling the shares to whom? Um, and also at what price? Uh, right. The next question is from Salman Ali, uh, who tells us it's a fantastic pod, which is the way to get a question asked. Everybody tells us it's a fantastic pod. Thank you, but I only read the odd one out, despite the producer pleading with me to read them all. Now, he, he took, there was a, a documentary about Salford City recently on the television. He said it raised a few eyebrows, which is good to see. It's not just mine getting up. Basically, his question is, how are they getting part? <clears throat> see, he didn't, the, the, the raising voice <laughs> is, is mine, not Salman's. How are they getting past FFP rules? And how much have the owners put in? Obviously, the class of 92 are the main owners. And presumably, why would they put it in when they're never going to see that money back again, are they? Well, um, apologies, by the way, if you can hear coughing. That's the young lady who's staying with us who's not very well at the moment. Oh. And we don't have any doors in our house. <laughs> um, in terms of FFP, Salf- Salford have come from the National League. Well, it's, I've been researching Salford for this and for another project. Again, they're essentially, it's amazing stories. They're a glorified Sunday league team, essentially. It's not that long ago when they were an amateur team, and now here they are in the Football League. Yeah, and I think there's there's two narratives here. that there Certainly the, the documentaries we've seen in linking them with the class of 92 um, and... Uh, Peter Lim, who is the other investor, yeah. so I think we've we've got the, the the five footballers and this this overseas investor. I think he's from Singapore. Yeah. He's the person that's putting in all the money. So oh, so oh, okay. the, the the shareholders will have bought the shares for a nominal amount. Um, he's put in all the cash. Um, Salford City were losing thirty five grand a week in National League North. Now that's two tiers below where they are at present. Uh, so. They've not yet published their accounts uh, for for last season when they were promoted from the National League. I think there will be a lot of people curious as to, um, A, what were the losses, and B, will Gary Neville actually produce a full set of accounts so that idiots like me can go through and and truly look at the numbers? Uh, Um, It's precisely because he knows people like you are going to look through the numbers. He doesn't want to produce the accounts, possibly. And I I fully understand that. Yeah. in terms of what's happened this season, um, it looks like they've put in a further two and a half million uh, has been has been lent to the club or has been created for the shareholders. So they are 
I would expect them to have one of the biggest wage bills um, in League Two. Um, but whether we'll find out those actual numbers is, is another matter. Okay. This question is from Paul. Just Paul. Um, it's it's an interesting question. Is he's talking about Man United apparently not buying Erling Haaland because of clauses relating to future knock-on transfer fees and how much of that money would go to the agent and the father. Now, he's a West Ham fan, a long-suffering West Ham fan who describes himself as. He basically says, is that not akin to third-party ownership? And as a West Ham fan, he of all people should know that technically that's not allowed, is it? Well, certainly third third party ownership isn't allowed um, within within UEFA. It used to be very common in in South of, America, yes, yes, um, because it allowed it allowed agents and investors to go in and effectively pay for the player's education to to, to fund the club itself, and, and then if the, if the player turned out to be successful, they got a share of that. Um, in, in what are the clauses in the, in this? contract that apparently put them off buying Haaland well I think it's it's relation to um, sell-on fees yeah. uh, and also contract renewal fees now now we saw with the um, so if, if he if he'd signed a four-year contract and, after, and he turns out to be as good as people think he is after two years United would have gone to him and say well we're going to offer you a big pay rise to sign for another five years from what what this appears to indicate that um, they would be committing to pay the the agent and the the, the father who could be the agent for, for all I know um, oh, we, do, we don't know if they're not I'm, I'm, separate I'm not sure right, on this okay one. okay um so it to give them uh a large sum of money but that would be fairly standard every time a player renegotiates a contract it won't be the player himself involved in the negotiations it, no, it would have been his agent um, and, and therefore the agent will take a their standard commission but also if there is a uh, an, an additional fee for the actual signing of the contract they would have taken a proportion of that as we saw with the signing of Paul Pogba um, from uh, from Juventus to to Manchester United, where where the agent took twenty six million, um, and that agent has just taken on um, Jesse Lingard onto his books. Right, is is your instinct that there are other deals that don't get done because of clauses like this, or is this a one off? Do you think, or two off? Um, if if the club wants the player that much, they the deal will take place. Right. Okay. So I think this is one of many players that Manchester United have been. Uh, linked with, as is always the case at this mm. time of year. Um, and it could be that it's a story which has been put out by somebody to to try to dampen down the expectations of United fans by saying, look, we're Manchester United. We, we take a moral high ground on this because um, uh, they don't want to be involved of with Riola, for example. Um, and therefore, um, we, we, we're not interested in this player. But if, if they really wanted him, they'd go for it. Now you, Professor Barron, are going to love these next two questions because they are quite technical. Uh, I, on the other hand, will probably go and make a cup of tea. <laughs> Very wise. Because the questions, uh, they're not baffling. They, they come from, and I really, really apologise in advance if I'm not pronouncing this properly. They come from Shingirirai Tuma. Thank you for the questions. Um, the first one is, uh, and genuinely, I've, your eyes are lighting up because I can see you probably know which questions are being asked here. Um, you, you've got spreadsheet eyes, haven't you? Oh, I have. Now, is there a consistency, he says, amongst Premier League clubs in the classification of expenses in the profit and loss columns? And and can you, as he suspects, hide losses away as, say, admin expenses? Um, there is no agreed classification. Okay. Um, the Premier League encourages clubs to split their income between broadcasting, match day and commercial. 
okay. and, and, and nearly all of them do that. Um, when it comes to costs, uh, they they are legally obliged to show wages, um, so therefore they have to do that. They are legally obliged to show directors' wages separately. Okay, but this makes like makes life quite complicated you don't have to do that if you're a company based in the states so when manchester united published their results in september you didn't find out ed woodward's wages but they did publish another company in the manchester united's result in the manchester united group's wages on friday so being a nosy little shit <laughs> i i I went into those. Term, yes, yes. Um, and I think he's on about three. I think he's on three point two million um, from Manchester United last year. So he he had a one million pound pay cut, uh, presumably right. because they didn't qualify for the Champions League. So this idea of hiding losses as admin expenses, say, which I mean, it's probably what you'd call cooking the books in the old days, isn't it? Is is disguising stuff, which I imagine many companies would do wouldn't they just everyone makes their books look better than they are or yeah worse. But if I, you're trying to avoid tax worse maybe I, I i think that some disastrous transactions can be hidden so you know, whilst we have spoken about clubs such as chelsea they have said that they paid conte 26 million pounds in compensation um only two or three clubs in the premier league have said what they've paid to managers for sacking them now other clubs haven't so right. again, they, some things can be hidden. It comes down to the integrity of the people uh, publish the accounts, and and you've got to give credit to United and Chelsea and Everton and Liverpool that, that they've tended to go forward and give these descriptions when when they've taken place. Other clubs will say, "Well, oh, we made a loss last year because we sacked the manager." Well, if you made a loss of thirty million quid, you know, did it cost you three million? Did it cost you five yeah. million? Did it cost okay. you ten million? Don't don't give us half a story. Be 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 completely yeah. transparent in my view. Uh, now, the second part of Shingarire's question, and again, I do apologise if I've not pronounced that uh, properly. But feel free to tweet me with the carefully, phonetically spelt pronunciation. And I've, this is an interesting question, actually. Do, basically, the question is, do the football authorities have minimum disclosure requirements for financial statements when they're submitted to Companies House? Well, the, the simple answer is is no. No. Um, it, they, they can put out, um, provide provided it agrees with the law, then, then they're fine to do that. And if you are a club below a certain size, you don't have to publish anything to do with your profit and loss account, not the wages, you don't know how much income the club is making and so on. And, and the argument that comes from the Footballers Supporters Association, and I'm, and I'm been banging on about this as well, is that a, a football club, it, it isn't the same as your, your local washing machine manufacturer. And, and as fans, you know, we, are, we are investors, uh, we are stakeholders, whatever you want to call it, and I want to know just how well the club is doing because it's my club, yeah. Um, and what the clubs, what the clubs can get away with with showing to Companies House is is practically worthless, um, and that's what we're seeing a lot of the time in League One and League Two, and then you end up with another Macclesfield, another Berry, and so on, and the fans are going, well, well, we didn't notice anything, well, because because there was nothing to see in the first place. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry... 
or you're an aspiring musician, manager, or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Well, it's interesting, I suppose, from my point of view, and it's the reason I was asked to do this pod, because I have no business brain whatsoever, and football finance was a mystery to me, and Guy thought it would be hilarious to pair us up in a kind of odd couple police drama type situation. But if if Palace, for example, were to publish you know, detailed accounts, I wouldn't be able to pick up on whether or not they were good or potentially... And there aren't that many people like you who can do that job. So would it have an effect? I mean, because I, I, I absolutely agree with the FSA. I mean, I, I think there should be far more transparency than there is. But clubs have got people who are clever enough to disguise potential problems and they don't necessarily want fans to realise that there are issues and they certainly don't want potential investors to realise these things do they? Well I mean the, the accounts will be audited so therefore in theory somebody will have taken a look at them to make sure mm. that there is nothing nefarious taking place in in terms of the way they're being classified. But those auditors if, if losses are, you know, are made they, it's not the auditor's job to make that public is it? If, if something nefarious has happened of course they would do but if it's just a club unexpectedly losing money they wouldn't tell us that, would they? Well, I, I can work out the losses for every club. But, you can, of course. But I can't work out how they made those losses uh, right. if the club you, is it, below a certain size. Right. Um, you know, my view, and I, I'm, I'm not the only person that does this. I mean, there is there is the guy who I call the governor. There's a guy based in, in Switzerland who's been doing well, this for years. You call him the governor. He must be good. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the... I'm the Andrew Ridgely to his George Michael in the, in the Wham wow. football finance. We need to find out about this mysterious fellow, don't we? My <laughs> word. Um, Does he social media? Has he got? He's, he's the Swiss Rambler. Yeah. Oh him. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, oh, right. he, he, he is the governor. He's actually Swiss. Um, he's he's uh, he's relocated. His his wife's Swiss. Oh, do you know what? I've, I've, I'm aware of the work of the Swiss Rambler. I always assumed there was some hilarious reason behind the name. No, it? no, no. He, he lives he, in Switzerland and, and he, he likes, likes rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. So, uh, the, 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 yes, his his work is so his his work is is the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Um, and you know, there's there's we're not all idiots as fo- football fans as 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 the club owners like to make out. Now, as I, I, indeed I employed five minutes ago. Yes, and I would imagine for for you know a, a significant proportion of football fans, you go along, you meet up with your mates, you have a few pints, you watch the match, you 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 shout rude things at rude people and and you go home and it's a form of escapism and i fully understand that not everybody wants to know about the money side of things because yeah you know, I, I i don't give a hoot about the money made if i go to watch 1917 this week yeah um i don't care whether it made money or not you know is it was it a good film yeah or was it a good football match or, yeah, or was yeah. it a good gig yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um but if it affects the future of the club in terms of survival or being acquired by a mysterious foreign investor, I, th- I think I am entitled to a little bit more information and a little bit more knowledge. Um, you, you mentioned people taking over clubs. They they will go through the books with a fine-tooth comb right, because right. Yeah, that's due diligence. It's the equivalent of you buying a house. What do you do? You get a surveyor yeah. to, to go in, and, and they're the professionals, and, and you rely upon their opinion. Did I mention my house hasn't got any doors? I, I believe I mentioned that in passing, you know, so that's an indication, isn't it? Um, uh, the, the final question, it comes from James Audley. Thank you for your question, James. It's it's probably hypothetical, but I think it's a very good question. Um, we talked about the proposed changes to the Champions League uh, recently, 
And James's question is, would a British league work financially? Would broadcasters and fans like it? Would it kill off smaller teams? And we're talking, If I spent a lot of time in Scotland during the Edinburgh Festival. I love Scotland. Interested in its history and its culture and its football. And of course, fans of clubs like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts will say, well, it's, it's, you know, if you're going to have a British league, it shouldn't just be Celtic and Rangers. We should be involved as well. And 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 part of you inside thinks, well, good luck to that because it's only really Celtic and Rangers that would ever, I think, become part of a, a British league, I'm assuming. But... Uh, I mean, how potentially, how logical is it? Because it's one of those things is every five years somebody says, come along, well, let's get Celtic and Rangers into the, into the Premier League, although whether they would survive there is a, a different question. But is is this something that you think could, could happen? And what would it do to smaller clubs either side of the border if it did? If If the Champions League expanded Super League takes place, and and the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United disappear out of the Premier League. Yeah, I think it could work um, because all of a sudden filling that vacuum, you've got West Ham, Everton, Newcastle, Glasgow Celtic, Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. Um, and if you've got 20 teams in that league, well, there's no reason why why Aberdeen or Hearts or Hibs couldn't be there for the same reason that we, we presently have Burnley and Bournemouth, who are you know, relatively small towns. Um, yeah, Bournemouth's only got a capacity of 11,000, as we previously discussed. Burnley's got a capacity of 20. Watford's got a capacity just over 20. Well, if, if those clubs can be uh, members of the Premier League and survive there, then why can't Scottish clubs join in? I think it would certainly increase the, the interest. There would be a lot of, you know, go off and do your own business to the Premier League clubs, but it ain't going to happen because I think the changes when they do come about or if they come about... Um, Liverpool fans still want to play Manchester United every season, yeah. twice, and that wouldn't necessarily work in in one of these expanded um, Champions League formats. Yeah. What my understanding is that owners want more fixtures which are lucrative, so therefore they want a smaller Premier League of sixteen to eighteen clubs. So therefore, you get rid of Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, Huddersfield, yeah. you know, all of yeah. those clubs. Um, you know, well done for saving me saying Brighton. Well, I thought I'd preempt you, um, because they 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 don't bring they don't bring the the money in, and, and, and it's and then it purely becomes a glorified form of American sport and franchise. Um, so you get a, a sixteen to eighteen club Premier League with no relegation. You're implying, I think relegation. I, I think that that'll be the one thing they would fail right. to to get through, right. um, because there has to be a cut off point. So any club which says, well, I can see us going down this season, but at least we've got the prospect of coming back up. Uh, and, and also, I think it is so much part of our culture in Europe. Yeah, we're not American. We don't, we don't see our football clubs as franchises. No, we, we, we do start every August with the romantic notion where we could get into the uh, yeah. Europa League. We could have a good cup run this season. Um, and and that, would be, that would be destroyed. Um, if if there was no relegation, in, in terms of the impact on smaller clubs, uh, uh, smaller English clubs, I can't imagine would be impacted that much. But in in Scotland, when you talk to Scottish football fans, there are two schools of thought. Most, I would say, sixty seventy percent of Scottish football fans say that without Rangers and Celtic, a lot of clubs would go to the wall. But there are Scottish football fans who say that the Scottish football then become much more competitive, and that it might actually attract 
more people. And then, you know, the sectarian nature of Scottish sport, which unfortunately still exists, would be taken away and that might encourage new people to come along. So what, what would your take on that be? Football clubs lose money because they pay wages that they can't afford. Right. Now, if you take Rangers and Celtic out of Scottish football, all that would happen is that within two years, the players who are on three grand a week at some clubs would be on 1,500 quid a week because right. the clubs would have turned around to the players and the agents and say, look, you've got two choices. You can either accept the lower bit, lower offer or the club goes out of business. You know, right. What would you rather have? Um, so I, I think it, it, there, we would still have some form of Scottish football. Um, already in the, in the lower leagues, it is effectively a glorified amateur sport. You know, they're not they're not on full time contracts in in league you know, Scottish League Division two and three, um, and I think it would be great at some point if if we have a full Scottish episode. Um, yes, we, we are go... planning. We are planning that full Scottish episode. Cool, um, and, and the same would be the case in in England. Um, the likes of Forest and Derby and Leeds, to a certain extent, they would fill the vacuum if if the big six decide to go off and form their own special little gang uh, and play against Bayern and Real Madrid and Atletico and Barcelona and so on every week. Well, well just quickly, I mean, one of the smaller clubs in the in the Scottish Premier League, because we, we know outside, you know, you've got Celtic and Rangers are getting 60,000, 70,000 people a week. You've got Aberdeen probably getting 15, 16. Hearts, Hibs, that's 10, 12. But there are other clubs in Scotland, Hamilton, Inverness, you're looking at 3,000 people. So, yeah. If you're a club that size in the Premier League and you take away Rangers and Celtic, how drastically does that impact their their finances? Because I'm guessing that a lot of the money would come from the, the travelling support. They, they play each other four times a year, don't they? So they, they, they do, but remember, they, they, they all survived without Rangers in the Scottish Premiership <laughs> for, point, yes. for five years. Yeah, fair point. Um, if you were in the bottom six, you only played Celtic once because of the way that the league was split. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I think some of those clubs say, well, actually, when those clubs come to town, lots of our local fans, they don't go to the match because of the, the rather aggressive behaviour of some of those groups. Um, so I don't think they'd be too worried about it. Um, okay. if I, I've got the wages or my, or my estimated wages for, for the clubs. And in Scottish football, you've got some clubs in, in the top division who are on less than £1,000 a week. So in the, they, in the Scottish they, Premier they League? Also, yeah. Oh, whereas, wow. So wow. okay. That's there's not a lot of money to cut there. Um if if you think about any other business, you you are not reliant upon one day's income for three hours being the make being the make all or be all of, of your annual uh, of your annual finances. So and the same same applies to Scottish football. And are, are there still noises coming from Celtic and Rangers that they need to be in a different league to compete in Europe? Um, well, st- I think Stephen Gerrard said something of this nature uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but let, let's take a look at all of the people involved in making this decision. As far as the Premier League are concerned, do the big six clubs want further competition coming from Rangers and Celtic? Well, no, they don't because yeah. there's only four Champions League places. Do the other 14 clubs want Celtic and Rangers in the Premier League? Well, no, because they're taking two of our places. Yes, yes. Um, so there's no there's no desire for it south of the border. The clubs are making enough money from TV that they don't need uh, a visit, a couple of visits a year from from Scottish teams because most away allocations are sold out. Uh, the, you know, the, the Premier League, uh, in terms of 
match day uh, match day attendance is, is still spectacularly successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, Scottish listeners. I promise you, we are planning that Scottish special because we're trying to get somebody uh, very high profile from the Scottish FA to be a, a, a guest and join us. Uh, so we will look forward to that, and we look forward to um, joining you again on uh, Thursday. This is Monday, yes. <laughs> it gets confusing, doesn't it? Yeah, we look forward to uh, joining you again on Thursday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your questions. Keep them coming. Questions at priceoffootball.com. The Price of Football is a Dap Dip production. Please leave reviews where you leave reviews. Make them good ones, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Cheerio, folks. The Price of Football. Bye, son, for the fall.